You are listening to the Sunnybrook Community Church Podcast. To learn more about Sunnybrook Church, including our Sunday gathering times and opportunities throughout the week, visit us online at sunnybrookchurch.org. Today's talk comes from Laurie Van Cura. Well, good morning. Um, if you are new with us this morning or maybe you haven't been in here in a while, we started out this year with a brand new teaching series called Forget Yourself. And it really has been all about our tendency and our temptation to be all about ourselves, to be self-promoting, if you will. And we've seen how Jesus countered that in his teaching um, in the famous Sermon on the Mount that we find in Matthew chapter 6. So we've been walking that uh, through that together. And I want to invite you, if you happen to have your Bibles this morning, or you can open up your version uh, on your Bible apps, um, we're going to walk again through Matthew chapter 6 together. But let me just do a little review. So, so far we've been through verses 1 through 15, um, where Jesus has been addressing the religious leaders or the religious people um, to his disciples and to the, his audience. And these guys were practicing a lot of their faith uh, issues, but they were doing so in a way that was really obnoxious and it was really calling attention to self. And Jesus is calling them out on that. And he's essentially saying, this is not how I want you to do that. Um, We've covered so far the acts of righteousness that they were doing, how they were praying, how they were giving. And last week, Lydia talked about forgiveness. Well, this week, we come to fasting. Now, you might be wondering, what does fasting have to do with all the rest of those things? And we will soon find out. But let's walk through verses 16 through 18 as we continue in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says this. He says, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, For they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So as we begin, let's just start with the elephant in the room, fasting. What a weird idea. I mean, do people really do that? Um, Aside from intermittent fasting, which you do for weight loss, which, by the way, pops up on my social media feed every time I open it. Maybe they're trying to tell me something. I don't know. But what's up with that? And, And why do we see it so much in the Bible? And in particular, why would Jesus include it with subjects like prayer and giving and forgiveness? I mean, those are really important things. Does fasting fit there? Well, I think that we, see, we will see that it actually does more than we realize. And we can see from this passage as Jesus is speaking that there is an assumption on his part for the audience that they would be fasting, that that was a regular practice for them in their lives. Because he doesn't say, if you fast, he says, when you fast, which suggests that they were probably fasting quite often. And then again, he addresses how um, they're being very self-seeking and trying to gain attention from the way that they're fast. And in essence, Jesus is saying, yeah, don't do that. So this follows along with our past four weeks' messages where their religion that was something that was being lived out to gain status and recognition. They were trying to draw attention to themselves, to be seen as they were practicing all these different kinds of spiritual disciplines. And it became a complete stumbling block. It was a stumbling block to their own faith, 
um, if you could even call it that. And it was also a stumbling block to those who were observing them supposedly living out their faith. And so Jesus comes in the picture to literally turn that all upside down. So clearly, fasting was a common practice for the people of Israel But why? I mean, why in the world would someone not eat when you're hungry? Or why would you have an appetite and not satisfy it right away? Who would deny themselves something that was easily within your power to satisfy in any given moment? Because aren't we all uh, about self-gratification, instant gratification? So just to get on the same page, let's just do a little quick review of kind of the history of fasting. It's been around for centuries, and it's not just a biblical thing. We see that sages like Confucius practice fasting. We see in ancient Greece that uh, Socrates and Aristotle and Plato all practiced fasting because they believed it to be essential to human flourishing. That belief is still here today. That's my social media feed. But the biblical principle of fasting is actually mentioned in the Bible over 70 times. We first see it pop up in Exodus chapter 34 when Moses is up on Mount Sinai and he's getting the Ten Commandments from God. And we see in that passage that he fasted for 40 days. 40 days. Can you even fathom that? I mean, that is an incredible feat. Wouldn't exactly recommend that on your first fast to try that. But Moses did that. And Moses is showing us that biblical fasting is denying ourselves physical food so that we can seek God. There's actually a purpose in that. And listen, it has to be a long enough time that you actually experience true hunger. So, for example, the time between breakfast and lunch does not count as fasting. Now, um, we also see that fasting is almost always accompanied by prayer because you aren't just fasting from something. You're also fasting to something. So there's great purpose in fasting and prayer, and it's often seen together. Now, in Scripture, we see one-day fasts. We see three-day fasts. We see seven-day fasts. We see a few 40-day fasts, like the one that Moses did that we just mentioned, But we also notice that Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights when he was about to be launched on his um, public ministry. We also see that there are times in uh, the Bible where fasting is done by individuals, like we just saw with Jesus and with Moses. But then there are times when entire nation is called to fast. Let me share just a couple of examples of that with you. One would be the prophet Joel in the book of Joel in the Old Testament. He called a fast for the entire nation of Israel after they had experienced famine and a great swarm of locusts had come and eaten everything in sight. And all of this had happened because the people had been unfaithful to God. So Joel called a fast of prayer and repentance to turn back to God. We also see Queen Esther, who had become queen of Persia when the Israelites were um, taken into captivity and they were in Persia. And she asked the people of Israel, an entire nation that was there as captives, to pray for three days and to fast so that they would be rescued from annihilation that had been declared by their enemy. And God delivered after their fasting and prayer. We see that Isaiah, the prophet, called for a great fast that would be um, called to social justice and care for the hungry and poor. So that was a different kind of fast. We see King David wrote that he humbled himself 
with fasting. And then in another place, we see King David fasted and prayed for his infant son, who was critically ill. We see great men of faith like Elijah and Daniel and Paul who fast and pray because they want to draw near to God and they want for his will to be done in their lives. So there's something very powerful and somewhat mysterious that happens in fasting. For as you deny your physical cravings, you become more attuned to the spiritual. In the Bible, and particularly with Jesus, it becomes a way to experience and depend on the reality of the kingdom and the power and the presence of God in our lives. I mean, no wonder Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you need to deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. And fasting is just one kind of that kind of self-denial. Now, I had my first experience with fasting whenever I was in high school. I remember I was kind of curious about it. I'd never done it before, and I thought I would try out this this spiritual discipline of fasting. And so I tried it, and I'm not going to lie. It was so hard. I mean, I do like to eat. And, man, I tell you, the minute you say you're not going to eat something and you know this if you've done it, That's all you can think about. Because when you deny yourself for a time, there's something better that is coming. This is the principle of delayed gratification. And interestingly, this test follows those kids years um, after this. And they discovered something very interesting. That those kids who could practice that delayed gratification had more success in life than those who couldn't. So this message is called Fasting as Feasting to highlight that reward that we're talking about today. Because when we fast, we are learning to feast on God's presence and his power at work in our lives. Do you remember when Jesus was fasting in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights, the, the Bible tells us, which is really unfathomable to us. And of course, he was quite hungry. And it tells us that Satan came to tempt him with some food. And Jesus said to him, he said, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now, Jesus was quoting an Old Testament passage in Deuteronomy to demonstrate the fact that it is not just the physical things that give us strength, but that we can actually gain strength from the spiritual realm and in the power of God. We also see later that Jesus says to his disciples, he says, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And so he's referring to his practice of feasting on his father's presence in order to be able to carry out his will. So one of the benefits of fasting is simply to help us focus from the physical to the spiritual. And it can help break the grip that our physical desires can sometimes have on us and help us to gain mastery over them. Fasting serves as a practice to help us be the boss of our body instead of letting our body be the boss over us. It's a spiritual discipline, and spiritual disciplines play an important role in each of our lives. Now, the Apostle Paul teaches about this when he writes, Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. So Paul shows us there's a huge difference between trying to do something and training to do something. For example, if I asked all of you here in the room and those of you watching from home, how many of you feel like that you could go out the door right now and run every mile of a marathon? 26.2 miles. 
Yeah, I hear some chuckles. People are like, ah, no way could I do that. Um, but you might be surprised. There are a few handful of people that can. But you might be surprised that many of you could actually do a marathon if you did just one thing. You train. And it doesn't matter how hard you try. If you haven't trained, you're not going to be successful. And so training simply involves starting small. And then you incrementally increase your efforts until you reach your goal. So, for example, if you know, even if you've never run a mile, you'd start off small, maybe walking, running, walking, running, until you get to a mile. And then you continue that training and you push it up to a 5K. And then you continue that training and you push it up to a 10K, to a half marathon. And before you know it, you have been able to accomplish something that you would never have been able to do in a million years. You wouldn't even think that you could. Because it's not about trying, it's about training. Now, Paul is comparing that kind of physical training to our spiritual training, and both of those involve discipline. Now, a lot of you here may think, I don't have discipline. But Paul is trying to show us that discipline is not something that you have. Discipline is something that you train for. And transformation, whether that's physical or spiritual, requires training not trying. But listen, that is good news for every single one of us here because it shows us that every single one of us has the capacity to grow and to change if we simply train. And that can be physically or spiritually. Now there's a great truth found in Hebrews chapter 12 that says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Can I get an amen on that? I mean, (laughs) discipline is painful, but then it goes on to say later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. In other words, discipline is torture. Let's just say it. Let's call a spade a spade. But when we practice it, just like those kids with their marshmallows, something really good, something better can come as a result. So fasting as a discipline is something that we train for. And it helps us to master impulse control and impure desires and harmful appetites. I mean, you guys all realize that we are bombarded from every turn with messages and temptations uh, that we would feast on something and we would satisfy our desires with things that at very best would leave us empty. And in the worst case scenario, Um, would lead us to very harmful behaviors and can even destroy our lives. So our appetites for food and sex and power and pleasure and money, all of those can drive us to unhealthy places in our life, even to the point of bondage. And fasting helps us to say no to those kinds of impulse control, say no to our unhealthy desires and our cravings, and to be able to gain mastery over them. So I want to issue a challenge to you today. If you have never fasted before, or if maybe it's even been a while since you fasted, I want to challenge you to do some kind of fast this week. And as you do that, do it in the way that Jesus is sort of prescribing in humility and secrecy, not in a way that would be self-seeking or say, hey, look at me, I'm going to be doing this fast. But I want to offer two kinds of formats that you might utilize as you fast this week. All right, The first one is fasting as feasting on God. 
So you're going to engage in a fast, but you're going to do so with the intention of filling yourself with God's word and time with him in the process. So what this can look like is that you could start with a 24-hour fast where you maybe eat dinner one evening, and then the next morning you skip lunch or skip breakfast, you skip lunch, and you don't eat throughout the day until dinner. Now, if that seems a little overwhelming for some of you, again, you can start small. Training starts small. Remember, you could do a 12-hour fast. Or if you're more experienced with fasting, you could do a two- or three-day fast this week. You could also consider doing what we would call a partial fast where you just choose one thing that maybe has some power over you and you decide to fast from that for an extended period of time. Something like alcohol or coffee or chocolate. You're probably hoping I wouldn't say that. I remember one time I was uh, deciding to fast for an extended time, so I was going to choose one thing to fast from, so I'm praying about it. And the first thing that popped in my mind was coffee. And then the second thing that popped in my mind was coffee. No, I love my coffee in the morning. It makes me feel so warm and fuzzy, and I'm sitting there going through all the ways I love coffee. And then my third thought was, wow, you've got it bad. That's probably exactly what you need to fast from if it has that much of a grip on your life. So I did. I fasted from coffee, and yes, it was torture, but I did it, and I felt stronger because of it. So maybe it's coffee. Maybe for you it's social media. I know there are many of you who may not be able to abstain from food for uh, health reasons, so maybe there's something else that has a little bit of a grip on your life that you could fast from. I would encourage you to just pray and ask God to guide you in that. And I have no doubt that he will do that. But however you choose to do this, don't just be avoiding food or avoiding that thing that you're fasting on. Because again, remember, you're not just fasting from something, you're fasting to something. So make space in your life to feast on God in those times when you're most hungry or when you would typically be having a meal. And spend time in God's word during that time. Pray. Just connect with him in that. And then you may want to consider um, being very specific about what it is you're praying about. If you're trying to break a harmful habit in your life, or maybe you're trying to cultivate a fruit of the spirit like patience or love toward others, that's a good one. Or perhaps there's a loved one or friend who desperately needs to know the love and the grace and the salvation of God. Whatever that thing is for you, commit to fervently praying to, to that um, during your fast. And then, when you begin to experience hunger, allow that hunger to remind you that the only true satisfaction that any of us has in this, in this life comes from God and Him alone. Now, we struggle with that, don't we? I mean, we struggle with being able to just live satisfied in him and him alone. We run to other things to fill our hungry lives. We gorge on things that are really just empty fillers, things of this world, so much so that we don't have room for God. We are overstuffed, but spiritually we're empty. Moses prayed to the Lord, satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all of our lives. But how many times do we wake up in the morning and we bypass the God who stands ready to provide everything that we need for the day? We look past him and his word and we begin to feast on empty fillers. 
We reach across our Bibles and we grab our phones and we start scrolling mindlessly. Or we turn on the news for all the latest gossip or drama that's on. Or we mistakenly think that coffee is the only way to jumpstart our day when all the while Jesus is calling. He is awaiting with living water that will satisfy our souls, with food that will satisfy our hungriness. Come to me, he says, and I will satisfy your deepest longings and desires. Psalm 107 says that he satisfies the thirsty and he fills the hungry with good things. We are such a generation of Jesus-hungry people who are misplacing our spiritual hunger. So I encourage you today, friend, to use your time of fasting to feast on him. And then the second format of fasting that you could consider doing is fasting as caring. Now, you may remember back in the Old Testament, God spoke to the prophet Isaiah, to the people of Israel. Again, they were were really good at fasting in the way that they were very rigid about it. And so through Isaiah, God kind of calls them out on their fasting practice, much in the way that Jesus did that we read in his Sermon on the Mount. But God gives us a replacement for the kind of fasting they were doing. This is what he says in Isaiah. He says, no, this is the kind of fasting that I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relatives who need your help. Okay, that last line kind of cracks me up. You know, don't hide from your relatives who need help. I'm just picturing, you know, we're hiding in our house, lock the doors, shut the shutters so they don't know we're home. Uh, But when I engage in this kind of fasting, fasting is caring, then when my body is hungry, I'm going to remember my brothers and sisters who are experiencing hunger, but they don't have the kind of resources that I do to actually be able to supply their food. I begin to think about the homeless and those who need clothing, those who are sick, and those who are imprisoned. And whenever my body starts to feel that pain, a very uh, temporary and small pain, it speaks to their pain that is larger and more ongoing. And then I begin to do something about it. So God is growing in me compassion. I'm literally training for compassion as I fast through caring. And this kind of fasting, when it's done to the Lord, is the complete opposite of what uh, Jesus is talking about to, this, to these um, Pharisees and these religious people and the kind of fasting that they were doing. Again, all preoccupation with self, saying, hey, look how holy I am. So one final thought as we close this morning Now, Lent, which is a season of preparation leading up, it's kind of on the liturgical calendar before Easter. Um, It begins on February 22nd. Um, It is representative or it marks the 40 days that Jesus fasted in the desert. We talked about that. Um, But it also commemorates and leads up to uh, the commemoration of Jesus' death and the celebration of his resurrection. So in addition to practicing some kind of fast this week, what if you also decided to use that 40 days of Lent to also fast from something? 
In fact, what if during this season our entire church began to free ourselves from our unhealthy appetites and that insatiable desire for more, and we trained ourselves to be more compassionate about the hunger and the need and the desperate plight of our world? What if in the weeks leading up to Easter we feasted on the Word of God and we made room in our lives for Him? What if we said no to the marshmallow right in front of us and we said yes to the something more that God has for us? Let's pray together. Lord, you know what the marshmallow is for every single one of us here. And we would just ask, Lord, that you would help us to say no to our earthly passions and to say yes to making room for you in our lives and for the something better that you have for us. Lord, give us the courage and the strength and the training to be able to feast ourselves on you and to allow you to satisfy our deepest longings and desires. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, have a great week. Blessings to you on your fast, and we'll see you back here again next week. If you were encouraged by today's talk, check out our Sunnybrook Unscripted podcast, where we talk real life, answer questions, and take a deeper practical look at the topics we talk about on a Sunday morning. For other talks, videos, and live gatherings, rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. Download the Sunnybrook Church app or visit us at sunnybrookchurch.org. And again, thanks for listening to the Sunnybrook Community Church Podcast.